Just to remind myself. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Wa la'aqibatul mutaqeen wa la'izwana illa ala al-zalimeen. Wa salatullahi wa salamuhu wa la'ashraf al-anbiya'i wal-mursaleen Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. اللهم لا سهل إلا ما جعلته سهلا وأنت تجل الحزن إذا شئت سهلا اللهم أعنا على ذكرك وشكرك وحسن عبادتك يا رب الكريم السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته Right here folks Today is a great day We're going to make a major comeback In the text What other comeback would there be? يعني of course what other comeback would be possible? <laughs> Might be. Might be, yeah? Mm-hmm. Keep dreaming. Keep dreaming. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> right, so uh hope to cover a couple of things today, actually, some interesting stuff. Um and take you all the way, inshallah. Um maybe we'll get to the, the position of the finger exactly in the salah. Maybe we won't. Um and uh, because there's actually quite a bit of detail before that all right so let's uh, remind ourselves of this particular section uh, the mu'allif said he said wa yusalli al-thaniyata kadhalika ma 'ada at-tahrimah wal istiftah wa at-ta'awwudh wa tajdid al-niyyah ثم يجلس مفترشا ويداه على فخذيه يقبض يقبض خنسر اليمنى وبنصرها ويحلق إبهامها مع الوسطى ويشير بسبابتها في تشهده ويبسط اليسرى. That's what we're going to be covering today, inshallah. Translation uh, of which is then he uh, stands up straight. Yeah, uttering takbir, depending on the point. Then he prays the second unit, like the first one, except that there's no tahrima, no istiftah, no ta'awwud, and no renewing of the intention. Then he sits muftarishan with his two hands on his thighs, clenching up the little finger and ring finger of the right hand, whilst creating a circle with his thumb and middle finger, and pointing with his index finger during his tashahud. The left hand is kept flat. And he says, all right, so that's inshallah what we hope to cover uh, today. So in terms of the uh, text from Al-Mumti'ah, right, for those who want to kind of follow on in a general kind of way, then that is uh, page uh, 139, 140 actually, 140, top of 140. So start at the beginning. He goes and he prays the second. Oh, I translated it. Yeah, I put brackets unit. Can you see brackets unit, right? I put the, the the unit in brackets because actually that's what the author said. He praised the second. And because obviously this is a class where we try to, you know, uh, uh, give some benefit to different levels of different students. Those who study Arabic, okay, should know that there is uh, something called um, 
anat and al-man'ut that that which is mentioned and something which gives it a bit more detail i don't even know what it is I bring up the forum so because they're good at that kind of stuff but i don't know what they call that in english al-man'ut and na'at what do they call that in arabic grammar in english grammar i don't know but someone will answer i don't know what solange is these days but yeah i'm sure she will pop in um but for example um second unit okay second unit second but unit is not mentioned because it's understood so what does that mean noun and adje- adjective is that right unit is the noun and adjective is second is the second an adjective yeah second is an adjective and the unit is a noun yeah so al-man'ud noun adjective sorry the man'ud is the no yeah the man'ud is the noun and the na'at is the adjective yeah na'at adjective. Yeah, adjective good okay so man'ud is the noun and then the adjective and um is it so you know in our normal speech we say that a lot we don't always have to give the full details to explain to people you know the, the, what the meaning is so when you just say second we know it's referring to the second unit you, you get what i'm saying and that is the quranic way the reason that we make a point of it is that the quran mentioned this style quite often sheikh uthameen gives a couple of examples he says for example he says uh, allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says وقدر في السرد. all right in surah saba uh, make, uh, I mean, the complete translation is make coats of chainmail and وقدر في السرد you know we cover this in Dominion وقدر في السرد means to and make the uh, links as small and as perfect as possible right? so this of course is one of the as we said, what we call in engineering today optimum design it's one of the miracles it's one of the special يعني, skills of Dawood alayhi salam that he was able to make these co- uh, 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 coat mouse, this uh, uh, chain, armor kind of thing. Now, in the ayah, it says, Ani'mal sabighatin. Sabighat, alright? Yani something masbukh, sabigh, is referring to something which is long and fully covering. But it doesn't say what. So make the fully covering and make the links very tight. Make the fully covering what? It's clear from the a context of the verse is talking about war and this is talking about armor and so therefore the durur which is in arabic the uh, armor that's not mentioned in the ayah but it's understood so it just refer to the actual covering feature of it so when you see in the english actually the translation there's no brackets used there's no nothing used it just says coats of mail or coats of a chain mail or coats of armor that's what it says in the translation in actual fact the, tra- the Arabic literally translated just says covering protective protection, right? Armor, no, armor is not mentioned uh, previously. But war is, fighting is, uh, his skill is, and is clear. And there's a consensus on that on that on that, on, on what it means. Uh, another example is Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says, "Illa ladina amanu wa amilu salihat," except those who believe. And they uh, do as-salihat. It should be a'malan as-salihat. Righteous actions. But it just says they do righteous. You get what I'm saying? Actions has been taken out because it's obvious. 
So unit here has been taken out, and that's obvious. It's important to understand that this is not, you know, because, uh, uh, why does he mention it? Because Orientalists like to make some fun, you know, when they try to criticize the Quran, and they say that, you know, there's certain things that are missing, and, and blah, 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 blah. But anyway, you should just know. And for those who are studying Arabic uh, properly, then uh, one of the great uh, uh, grammarians, Ibn Malik, he says in his poem, Al-Fiyah, which is, yani, mission, and tough, Okay, to study, but every student of uh, Arabic language, an advanced student of Arabic language, will study it at some point. Okay, when it comes to the adjective and the, the, the uh, noun, it's understood that it is permissible to remove the noun sometimes, but the other way around, very little. Oh, the other, other way around, very little. In the English language, do we have that where we remove the... That's why, that's why you, can't, you can't really translate it. So it is an adjective, but right. it, has, it functions quite differently to uh, the adjectives that we're used to in English. Because, um, is that because in Arabic, the, the na'at or the adjective is the actual intention, whereas in the English language, it's an additional piece of information? Is that why? An adjective in English... It's, not, it's like it, we have this concept of an ism, right? Yep. That, that doesn't correspond to noun. It corresponds to a nominal. Yeah, the, uh, a so, nominal so it, noun, right? It's just a nominal. Right. And like we can, we can consider an ism not to be a noun. It's a nominal, right? So an adjective is as much a nominal as the original word is a nominal, which is why you can so easily drop the original word. And then the, 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 the adjective just does everything to the original word with itself. It's Wh and why does that not happen in English then? Say, you can't say the white clouds without saying cloud. Right, and but in Arabic, like if, if I'm pointing at, at a different cloud, then it's like, oh, which one is he talking about? I can say all oh, the whites. But you could say that in English. No, you don't have to say the white one. You have to say the white one. Yeah, you have to have. Uh, because an adjective in English doesn't stand. Nice. Sometimes, sometimes it can become a proper noun, but then it's considered a different thing. So if it says like black soul, no black, black white soul is like in South Africa. Right. That's become a noun then. It's no longer considered an, an adjective. Heavy ones. Some bars be spitted there, bro. MashaAllah <laughs> All right. Right. Good. We take that. Don't ask me to repeat it because I didn't understand anything from it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, no, but I mean, I mean, the point is actually what Mu'min um, is saying is actually what Sheikh Uthameen says because from an Arabic point of view, the na'at itself is the maqsood. It is the, it's the final, easily understood uh, objective of the entire conversation. So therefore, it's not a problem. <laughs> this is a funky one this time. May Allah forgive Ajman Allahumma Right, okay. So, all right, so that's, that's that. So, uh, what's the text then? What were we saying? What, what was I trying? Ah, he prays the second one like the first, except for, and then he mentions now a number of things. So, let's just quickly go through those uh, things and confirm that. First of all, the tahrima, we know what that is, right? Takbiratul Ihram. Yes? So takbiratul ihram is the opening takbir, the takbir that makes something haram. So a person is not allowed to make that again. If he makes it intentionally again, the prayer is invalidated. All right? The prayer is invalidated because they've added meaning, invalidated if you don't then make a sajda zahwa at the end of it. All right? Unless it's a whole next level 
uh, a thingy that you're actually starting again, then of course what you've done so far has been invalidated. You'd have to be starting again from that prayer anyway. If a person said it by accident, then there's no effect on the prayer. He's added to the prayer. He makes a jisahu at the end. But the point is, is that in the second raka'ah, there is no takbira to, there is no takbira at tahrima. There's only the takbira to intiqal, which is the takbira of moving from sitting into standing. All right, that's it. And then, what else? Al-istiftah. There is no istiftah, the opening dua that you open the prayer. So no subhanakallahumma bihamdika wa tabarakasmuka again. You go straight into Bismillahirrahmanirrahim, alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. That's the, that's, the, that's the point. And there's no ta'awwud either. So these three things have been mentioned. No tahrima, no istiftah, no ta'awwud. No a'udhu billahi minash shaitanir rajim. Um, quick point on the istiftah. You know, we said before that there are different types. And whether a person, you know, we had this discussion, you know, you have Allahumma ba'id bayni wa bayna khatayaya, you have, you have subhanakallahumma, you have wajahat wajhi, and so on, so on and so forth. Yani we mentioned, because you have these different ones, should you say them all together or whatever? And we said no, that this is a mood thing, a dua thing, and, and you know, you just use one at a time. Some scholars, or, no, not some scholars, but yani some people said that, uh, you know what, you can use them on different raka'at. So you use one form at the beginning of one raka'ah and one form in another raka'ah. You, you see what I'm trying to say? And uh, this is definitely incorrect. There's no evidence for that whatsoever. Absolutely, this would be a clear bid'ah. This would be a clear bid'ah. You'd be adding something in a place where it's not legislated. We do have some flexibility here and there in the, in the salah, but not that much flexibility that you create something entirely from the beginning uh, like that. Okay, it's never been narrated from the Prophet I'm not allowed to do that. Uh, Ta'awwudh, all right. Um, is to say Now this is an interesting one because there are some scholars actually that said you do recite it uh, at every raka'ah and what the argument would be we know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tell, tells us that and when you recite the Quran okay and so the idea is that I'm about to recite Surah Al-Fatiha and so I should recite the Ta'awudh the response back, which is of course the position of the vast majority of scholars and the four imams and the madahib and everyone, is that you've already done it at the beginning and that's enough. Their response is, that would be the case if it was a continuous action. But you had actions and dhikr in between that are not from the Qur'an. So you finished from Alhamdulillah, then you finished then surah, but then you went into ruqud and you got up and then you did a few things and hands were all over the place and yeah, sajdas and you know, lots of things happen in between. Now, I want you to remember that when you're reciting the Quran yourself, all right, and you're reading, you say, you don't need to say it again. And when do we say you say it again? When the phone rings, right? And the phone rings and then you, you take the call and you know, it might even be just 10 seconds. Then you go back to the, the way you are, you say, rajim to get back into the groove of things and seek refuge from shaitan and you start again. So we can see that you, when you have a break, then you, you do. So that's their argument. And Muhammad Mukhtar al-Shanqiti, okay, hafidhahullah uh, ta'ala wa ra'a, his opinion is that you do recite it every single raka'ah. The position of the majority and the class position and the position of Shaykh Uthameen is that no, it's said only at the beginning because this is not a uh, act which has been split. This is an entire single act of worship and therefore done at the beginning. It doesn't matter that there's adhkar and, and the actions. It's still part of the overall act of worship. There's no evidence to show that every single portion of the Quran do you need to recite. Okay, so for I'll give you an example. And let's say that I recite some Quran and I come across of an ayah 
about the fire or about something specific or about Jannah and then I pause and I make dua at that moment. That's the whole point yani, of reciting properly, right? Yani, in a focused kind of uh, in a focused kind of way where you're reciting by meaning and not just reciting, you know, just for the for the sake of it. So at that moment, you're gonna pause and you're gonna say, Allah Mafri, Allah Mafri, Allah Majirimar, Allah Majiriminar. Okay? Allah bin Salikul Jannah. You make a couple of du'a and you maybe even make it in English. There'll be no basis for you to now go and say and carry on reading. You'd carry on reading because you've not broken the jins, the genus of the act that you're involved in. Whereas if you started swapping languages, talk that's not du'a, talk that's not ibadah, then it's a different question. Then it's a different kind of discussion. So anyway, but the problem, the point is, is that al-amr fihu yani. It's, it's sin, no, there's no sin. We, we, you know what? This is important. Can it be a sin for a person to say it again? Where there's khilaf, you can't call yani, it sin. And when we say khilaf, we don't see khilaf between me and you, but khilaf between the early scholars. So once the early scholars differ over something, then this is what we call khilaf mu'tabar. This is a considered and accepted difference of opinion, and therefore you can't make inkar. You can't yani, uh, you know, really criticize then a person who... Uh, does something uh, uh, opposite uh, to that. Okay? Um, there is an interesting combination between these. Who can think of a scenario where you would recite in the second? It's the other, I mean, yeah. No? Where we believe that you should recite in the second. What do you think? You got so warm that you became so cold. Just like February. You're just like February, bro. Just think about it. Just retrace your steps and make it like Yani July Gonda. He actually said the answer, but then he added some other stuff, and then he kind of like it all became very vague. When you join the salah late, that's correct. That's it. When you join the salah late, so if you join, for example, in the first rakaa ruku'ah, the imam, right? So he's in ruku'ah. You walk into the masjid, no time to do anything, just Allahu Akbar. Yes, you go into ruku'ah, and then you come up. Now, now the situation is, is that we're into salah. Let's as make it yani interesting and say that it's a dhuhr or an asr. Yep. So you're going to now, when you stand up for the second rakah, it's your first rakah, and your first attempt at now reciting. You made it uninteresting. You made it uninteresting. Yes, you're right. I took the safe option. So yeah. So let's let's finish with the safe. Then we'll take the risk one in a second. So the real question is, is that you are about to recite, okay, Surah Al-Fatiha. That's why and he's causing trouble. You see, right? And so therefore you would say it in a second. You get that, yeah? It's the second unit of your prayer. But it's your first opportunity to say it in its right place. So this Sheikh Uthameen, he says, uh, He goes, and this is an example of where, yeah, we accept that you would make the, 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 the yani in this uh, situation. By the way, there's also another one that he hasn't mentioned, and that is if you get some waswas in the prayer. Right? So waswas, we know that you do the nafakh, which is the dry spit. Right? So if you've got you know, people, you know, in your head and you've got waswas and you've got, you know, you can't focus properly and whatever. So you just point to your left, right, without this mega kind of complete turn and just yeah, an indication to the left and you just go and you make isti'ad. In the salah. 
in the salah uh, done by the Prophet and the companions. Um, the problem, of course, as many of you will, have, will know, is that you see some people just do the, that throughout the whole prayer. All right? You see them, you do see them. All right? These are the people who are um, either they think there's some kind of sunnah, which I, I think not, but rather I think those that are really affected by doubts and they think that this is the way around it. And uh, I tell you this, this action, but not for you to be doing it day and night. Right, but yeah, you know, every once in a while, where you you know a person recognizes, oh, hold on, what's going on? I'm losing control of this. I can actually see I'm being played by like a kipper here, right? I thought of something, I went into the prayer with not my mind, yeah, you know, calm, and I just got played. Shaitan, I can see him, yeah, you, know, you know, bringing this to the forefront, bringing the dinner to the forefront. What am I going to do after you know after lunch hour? It's all coming now. I can see I'm getting played. All right, I'll teach you. You know, one, two, three. I was been Ashton So that's another ta'awud, but that's not a legit. That's not the the ta'awud of the salah, that's an extra addition. You get what I'm saying? Um, yeah. Yes. Uh, it is, um, I need to look into it if there is a specific term, but it's just known as a nafakh fi salah, or a ta'awud, yani. It is, it is more, it is more, how can I say, a, 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 a definition by its description as opposed to a term. But I, I look into that. I look into that. Yeah, there are different ter- terms which refer to the actual either act or the the spitting act. So that's why I said it doesn't have a term which would it is described by its description. Yani the way that it's done. Is it yani we describe it by the sound? Okay, so it's called as you said. Okay, and then you got nafakh, then you got x, and you got y. You got all different phrases, but the point is is that that technical actual phrase is making a stiada. Right, so um, then, uh, so other than that, the real question is what if the Imam is reciting a Maghrib? Right, so you now stand up for the second raka'ah, and the Imam now starts saying, Bismillah, uh, you know, Alhamdulillah, right? What should you do? Yes, you should still make da'awud and you say the Basmala as well. If you believe, for example, like I do, that you should make uh, uh, you should say Bismillah ar Rahim as the first ayah of Al Fatiha. And you're not sure whether the imam does or doesn't, okay? And certainly you don't hear it from the imam. Then I'm going to say the basmala every time I stand up anyway. You get what I'm saying? All right? And so if I'm going to say the basmala every time I stand up, then to add all the Sunnah Rajim before it, because I didn't get a chance to say it first time in a prayer, not a problem for me at all. So that's my, that's my position. Yeah, because sometimes, because even Abdul Ghaffar, for example, he doesn't recite the Basmala all the time. Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes he does, sometimes he doesn't. But the point is, is that regardless of whether I am not sure or whether he does, not does, I know that he's definitely going to recite Fatiha. I don't know about the Basmala. And I, you know, I recite it. I'm not saying that's a condition of following, but that's what I do. Because if a better person did, if a person said Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, then I revert back to our normal position, which we've said. Remember, you know, when it comes to that concept of, and that's because I'm reciting for me, it's Fatiha. It's considered to be like Fatiha for me. But the point is, is that when you're reciting behind an Imam, if it is Dhuhr, you're going to recite it because you can't hear anything. And the Shafi'i said that even when you hear it, you've got to say the whole thing. Whereas our class position is, is that if you can hear it, then you're just following it. So if I hear them say Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, then I'm just following it like normal. But if I don't hear it, then I'm going to say Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. That's basically my jama, my reconciled position. 
right? Um, next is a tajdidun niyyah and renewing the intention. I think that's obvious. I don't think we need to say much about that. Tajdidun niyyah means to renew the intention. Why would you want to do that? Okay, if you did that, it means you've, you've invalidated your prayer because you already have a continuous niyyah going, right? So why would you now just come bring another niyyah? It doesn't make any uh, sense. Uh, and uh, so, you know, it's not something which is permissible. It's not something which you should do either. Right. Then he says, then he sits muftarishan. But before we go on to that, we have a question. According to what the author has just said, now in the middle of page 142, according to what the uh, author has just said, there is now uh, uh, no difference between the two units, the first and the second, except ta'awudh, istiftah, and no takbiratul ihram. Is that true? According to what he said, there's no difference between units one and two in any prayer except for these things. Is that true? What do you think? <laughs> so if there is a different surah, then what does that what does that prove? That they, they, don't have to, yeah. they don't have to be the same, correct. And that is an important point we need to focus on now, okay? That in actual fact, and we know that the author is, you know, being very concise and he's summarizing things and he hasn't mentioned it here, but we know that in actual fact what we should say is that no, it isn't the same, all right? It's not the same. And we'll even go further and say that and some scholars said that it is mustahab and some said it's sunnah to make the second one shorter than the first one. And this is now an important aspect that we need to speak about okay um, Sheikh Uthameen says that the correct position is that the second uh, recitation in the second unit is less than that in the first one as what has been narrated in the hadith of Abu Qatada and then a bit more detail in the hadith of Abu Sa'id now anyone who's following that text will see that when you look at the footnotes it says you will come to this issue on page 215 if we go to page 215, all right, in the, in the actual uh, text, all right, um, here's the interesting thing. The hadith of Abu Qatada, by the way, is a hadith which is in Sahih al-Bukhari. It is absolutely indis- undis- uh, 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 undisputed uh, in its authenticity. And the Prophet um, was observed by Abu Qatada that he recited the Fatiha only in the last two raka'at in the last two raka'at of the prayer whereas in the first two he didn't so we know that there is a concept of differing lengths yani in between units you might turn around and say right well that's indicating a difference between second and first and second and third and fourth and not the first but as mu'min said we have a plethora of ahadith which show the prophet reciting one surah in the first raka'at and a different one in the other. Sometimes it is yani, the same length, sometimes the other one's longer, but the majority of the time, the second one is shorter. The majority of the time, the second one is shorter. We also have a hadith which is very interesting. And this is the hadith of uh, Abu Sa'id al-Khudri, radiallahu anhu, which is narrated in Muslim. And this is where it gets interesting. Where he said, um, and I'll read the text to you, because it's actually quite interesting. 
He said, حرزنا كراءة النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم في الظهر قدر ألف لام تنزيل يعني سوت سجدة وفي آخر عيني على نص من ذلك يعني the Hadith Muslim basically says يعني حذرنا basically means um, the, the context of the Hadith is that Anas is watching or in the Dhuhr prayer with the Prophet and whilst they're in the Dhuhr prayer Anas is trying to kind of make some estimates because he can't hear anything so he's trying to make a, uh, why he's, he's trying to make a, an estimate about what's going on so he goes um, that the Qira'a in the first two units okay was a roughly around the length of Surah Sajda, Alif Lam Mim Tanzil, that's how they call Surah Sajda its name, okay, because it's the first part of the, of the Surah. Whereas the second, the second was about half that. The second was half that. What does that indicate? No, the sec- sorry, not second, sorry, when I say second, I mean the, the, the last two, Dhuhr. What does that indicate? No, yeah, short of what does it indicate? If I said to you that the recitation in the first two, the recitation in Dhuhr was about uh, about the length of Surah Sajda, but in the last two, it was about half that. I say that to you, what has that, what, what, what are you going to take away from that? That of? Correct. You get that? That there is a recitation of more than Surah Al-Fatiha. Now, let's look at this issue. We all know, as Paxby and been brought up, yani, okay, even Arabs actually, right? Uh, most Muslims across the board, uh, and there's a consensus on this uh, from a legal point of view between the four Imams and the Madahib that there is only recitation or Sunnah to recite only in the first two rakah of any prayer. We call it the two full and the two empty, yes? That's however you're brought up. Yep. So the full units, whether it's a sunnah prayer, whether it's a fard prayer, you know, whatever it is, that's how you're brought up. Not, 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 not sunnah prayer. Huh? Not a sunnah prayer. Uh, the Hanafis say that you can in a sunnah prayer, you can pray in all four. What I want to say though, that they say that it's the sunnah to recite only in the first two. The Hanafis, they say it is Sunnah to recite in the second two as well in Sunnah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, but you're right, actually. You're right. Yeah, Sunnah, they do what they want it all full. All full. How many times does Sunnah become four in the five prayers? Mu'akkad only dhuhr, right? No, that's a ghair mu'akkad. Is there four rakah in Jum'ah? Mu'akkadat. Four and after. Sick heavy ones. <laughs> Sugar. Hanafis, that's right. You know, it's been such a long time. <laughs> Yes. Um, 
So where, so, so the point is that where does this come from? Where does this idea come from? How do we, how do we find out you know, what the situation is? Uh, let's look at this, right? First of all, let's cover all the ahadith that we can see. We know that, for example, that uh, the Prophet ﷺ has recited the same surah in the first two raka'at, so it can be exactly equal. There's no doubt about that, yeah, in terms of qira'ah. So, for example, the hadith of Surah Zalzala, and Nabi Sallallahu recited Surah Zalzala in the first raka'ah, and Zalzala, I think it was Maghrib, okay, and in the uh, first raka'ah, and in the second raka'ah as well. One of the companions who narrated the hadith, he goes that when we, when we uh, heard him do that, the only thing that we considered is that he forgot it. He forgot that he recited it in the first raka'ah. And we believe the majority of scholars said no, that he didn't forget that, he did it intentionally to show that it's permissible. To show that it's permissible to repeat a surah, but also to show that it can be the same length as well. Another point was made that by definition, the second unit is always going to be shorter than the first because it doesn't have a long du'a at the beginning. You could make a very long istiftah, yes, and it doesn't have the, ta the takbirat al-ihram as well, and doesn't have the ta'awwud as well. And the ta'awwud, by the way, is not just a'awwud bilam shanarajim, but you can have a longer version as well. So there's going to be a significant difference there anyway. We also have other ahadith which indicate that a certain surah and then a lesser one is recited. Okay, we've got that as well. We also have the hadith in Bukhari, which is the most important one, where Abu Qatada says that the Prophet ﷺ only recited Surah Al-Fatiha only in the last two raka'at. Okay. We now have this hadith of Anas, which indicates that the Prophet ﷺ did so in Dhuhr uh, prayer. In the Dhuhr prayer, not only has the prayer been mentioned, and it's a one-off, we don't have any other hadith. Number two, hadith narrated by Muslim is not as good as a hadith narrated by Bukhari and Muslim, which is agreed upon, such as the hadith of Abu Qatada. So you always give priority to the other one. But then number three is the statement of Anas. He said, Hazarna, yani we estimated it, right? He didn't, yani do uh, as Sheikh Uthameen mentioned al jazm, like Abu Qatada said, which is 100% fakat only. Whereas Anas is like, sorry, Abu Sa'id al Khudri, sorry, Abu Sa'id al Khudri is like, we kind of like, you know, try to work it out, and this is what we reckon. We estimate that it was half of. Yeah, we. Uh, here it could be that he had some discussion with companions, or it could be the, the respect for we. But he does, the hadith does state we. That does state we. If, if, you, if you assume that it means a number of companions, yes. Not from the number, but from the fact that they were discussing it. Discussing it, and that it was yani, more than one person's opinion. You're right. Um, however, however, if you look at the. And after having said all that, we'll add then a few narrations from the companions. The famous one, of course, you know, we're teaching. Um, the Tafsir Surah Ali Imran, and in the uh, the marketing for uh, the Tafsir Surah Ali Imran, when I was indicating how important this surah is, we have the famous hadith of Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiAllahu an, and he used to recite Rabbana la tuzigh qulubana ba'da idh hadaytana wa habalana miladun karahma innaka anta al-wahab in the third raka'ah of al-Maghrib. Okay, so he's reciting uh, that in Salatul Maghrib indicates yani in the third raka'ah indicates a change to the game as well and that hadith narrated by imam malik in his muatta the reason we know about that or even it became a thing is because of the surprise of the people who were around because they they you know it was something uh, strange not strange or something new you get what i'm saying and so it's something which is not the norm but then we also have the the hadith which ends the discussion and that is the famous 
statement of the companion, they heard him say ahad in the third rak'ah. And when the Prophet ﷺ, he said and he asked him, you know, what's going on? He said that this is what I love to do. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is ahad. That's what he loves to be described with. And I love to describe my Lord with that which is described in the prayer. And the Prophet ﷺ basically said, okay. Yani, he made, yani, qarar, yani, uh, agreed with him and made that decision that, okay, you know, what you've just said is, is uh, and we remember what we said, that when it comes to defining what the sunnah is, it's either his own action, either his own statement, or his, what we call, tacit approval, right? When someone does something and he knows about it and doesn't, because it's haram for the Prophet ﷺ to not make inkar of something that's not from this deen. Uh, it's more than tacit. Oh, you mean, you mean yani, it's so strong that it actually becomes an action? No, because he didn't do it. No, because he didn't say it. And I, I mean, if does it mean that we assume that after this great idea that he's heard and kind of, you know, agreed upon that he didn't do it himself? We don't know. But we don't have any evidence to show that he did it. That doesn't mean that we should say he never ever did it himself. We can say that we don't have an authentic narration of him doing it, as far as I know. Allah knows best, but as far as I know, I don't know of any authentic narration of the Prophet ﷺ reciting ikhlas himself. But am I therefore, after all of these evidences, with the Prophet ﷺ allowing someone to recite in the third and fourth yani, and that being ikhlas, am I comfortable therefore with the following? Yes, that the units don't need to be the same, that the units can be the same if need be, that in general the second and then the third and the fourth are always shorter in a kind of like, you know, in uh, kind of uh, gradual kind of way, and that recitation in the third and the fourth units is something which is allowed. Uh, some of the scholars, they said that it's only allowed in a dhuhr prayer. Okay, they were that specific. Yani, and the reason I like this, even though it's not my position, but the reason I like this is because they're very clear what the asal is. The asal has got to be the norm. And that's why the Hanafis, they kind of, you know, only put it into the sunnah prayer. They're not going to risk it in the obligatory. When you look at the actual ruling on recitation, of in the third and fourth, the Maliki Madhab they consider it to be makru. The Shafi'i school, they consider it to be they have two positions because uh, they follow a Shafi'i's old opinion and Shafi'i's new opinion. But his original opinion is that it was allowed and his new opinion is that it is mustahab. It is actually something recommended. That's that fard prayer by the way. Okay? In the Shafi'i school, the new opinion is that it is mustahab. The, sorry, Shafi'i, I mean, in his new opinion, is that the Mustahab. The Shafi'i school did not follow him in that. The Shafi'i school did not follow him in that because they said that that's not Yani, that's not, uh, uh, there's no evidence to suggest that it's recommended. And in the Hanafi school, when the obligatory prayer, they said it's allowed. So they kind of also with the, with the Shafi'is, allowed, yeah. Yeah, that's in, I read that myself in Rad al-Mukhtar. So that's the official position for with the obligatory prayer. That is not something which is uh, haram. However, now you get the idea of you know where everything uh, is. Any questions on that? Would another time a person should recite istiadah be the ma'mum who sits down, who sits during one version of Salatul Khawf due to due to the time he'll be sitting? I don't think so. Always, basically, what his point is, it's a good point. What Always is saying is that you know in Salatul Khawf. Uh, the prayer that you do when it's your war in a number of the different versions there are many different versions narrated of course but in a lot of them a person remains quite uh, 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 a person can remain seated 
like beyond the norm whilst the imam stands up and does other things and other people come and go and you're holding line so you're kind of standing doing nothing that's his point and the answer is that no because one it's not been uh, uh, mentioned in hadith not mentioned and second because it's still a single act of worship unless a person gets distracted whilst he's really kind of sitting there quiet and waiting then he would but not just for by virtue of being in salat al-khawf do you make istiadah should the sunnah be prayers be read in units of two rather than four? Um, the position of the majority of scholars is yes, it should be in units of two and not uh, f- uh, four. The Hanafi school, though, they stick to four. And it, it, easy, the matter is flexible. It's not a major issue. It's not yeah, any bit as some people make it out to be. But sunnah definitely is stronger to pray sunnah units uh, in units of two. And Allah knows best. Should one continue with the surah from where they stopped? Correct. They are allowed to do that. They can. This is a, a, an interruption yani, as part of the actual process of the recitation. Person went back to the beginning of the ayah, there's no problem with that. But is it an absolute must? I don't think so. Um, is this referring to recitation during or outside of the prayer? As Ustaz mentioned, making dua in English when coming across certain ayat, would this dua be articulated or said in one's... What does that mean? Is this referring to ta'awud? What's Aisha saying? Yeah. Oh yeah, sorry, they're, they're, they're talking about uh, uh, when I'm reciting. I, I was referring to outside the, the, the salah. I'm just reciting, you know, you're at home reciting and then you might make English and make, make dua. Uh, I said that, yani, whether you articulate it or whether you say it in the heart, whether you say it in English or whether you say it in Arabic, I don't think you need to make it stay either again. Down, 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 down. Um, uh, what else was there? Sumer, I saw a thingy. <sighs> okay, all right, come to the top. Right, okay, any questions here before we move on now to the sitting position and speak about the hands and so on? Can you read what is the best, posi- what is the best position to uh, adopt for Raka'a 3 and 4 then in Fard and Sunnah? Uh, the, is, uh, I think that the summary that I just said. Okay, what I just mentioned is that, um, oh no, sorry, I haven't mentioned. Okay, so in summary, when it comes to the uh, Fard prayer, and therefore anything which applies to the Fard prayer then can apply to the Sunnah as well. But in addition, in principle to the Fard prayer, it is permissible for a person to recite in the third and the fourth, but it shouldn't be their norm. It should yani, keep it as yani, here and there, here and there. And that in general, the second raka'ah is shorter than the first. All right? And it's something which is a sunnah to keep alive and to do every once in a while, especially if people don't do it. All right? Um, and if a person reads Fatiha first in the second raka'ah, then starts to read from the middle of a surah, would you read the isti'adha? No, you don't. Okay? You don't need to recite the isti'adha like you would. Yani, the reason that question is important is because if you were reading at home, from the Quran and you opened it up in the middle of a surah and you started reciting, you would make isti'adha like we said last time. So they're saying, can't we just apply that in salah? We say no because you've already covered yourself by saying it at the beginning. Alright? Then, yajlisu muftarishan. Then he sits down in a state of iftirash. Okay? So now we're in the tashahud uh, position. Okay? And... Uh, so he's now done, you know, he's now talking about going down to second raka'ah, done the sajda, done everything, and now we're trying to work out how do you sit down. And, uh, and we will explain that there's a difference between how you sit in the tashahud al-awwal and al-akhir, the final uh, tashahud, okay, the final 
tashahhud as well. Um, and muftarishan we explained, yes, al-iftirash, yani your backside, your, your foot, sorry, left foot is in contact with the farsh, right? So it's flat and you're sitting and I'll explain that on the camera in a second as well. And وَيَدَانْهُ عَلَىٰ فَخِذَيْ Actually, no, no, I, 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 let me cover all of this in text, then we'll, I'll show you on camera. All right? And his two hands are, what did we say in the text? How did I translate it? To see any that... Uh, with his two hands on his thighs. Yeah, let's, let's keep it, let's keep that English up like, up like that, okay? Um, uh, with his two hands on his thighs. وَيَدَانْهُ عَلَىٰ فَخِذَيْهِ يَقْبِلُ خِنْصَةً Yeah. So his two hands on his thighs, clenching up the little finger and ring finger of the right hand whilst creating a circle with his thumb. Alright, so the, the two hands on your thighs is not just the only position which has been narrated. Because if you do, you know what it is, we need to do this a couple of times. Just uh, uh, bring, how do you do this? Where I'm staying? You bring that from here. So, when we're talking about hands on the thighs, is this camera thing on the screen as well? No. Uh, so you guys, can you see? Do I need to come out here if you guys want to see? You can waste my time. That's what you can do. Seeing they're thinking about half an hour. So, when we're talking about when we're talking about the hands, okay, ala This is the thigh, yeah. This is the thigh. So you're either going to have your hands on your thigh proper, and no connection whatsoever to the knee, no connection, all right. So it's literally not even close. The second position, all right. And by the way, these positions, when it comes to it, is really focusing on the left hand because the right hand is not going to be flat. Okay, the, the right hand is going to be doing something. Now, the point about where and how far it comes will leave to the side for a second. The point is that this left hand, right, it's going to adopt three positions according to the fuqaha. The first one is up on the fakhad itself, the thigh with no connection to the knee. The second is when it's right on the edge of the knee. So now your finger is actually touching the knee, right? So it's right on the edge, it's still yani, on the thigh, but it's now on the edge of the knee. And the last position is to grip the actual knee. And that's another popular position. This is an actual named position in the books of fiqh and hadith. This is called laqab. So you actually now, your fingers go over and it's half on the thigh and half on whatever. And so you do see people holding their knees like that. Agreed? Yeah? Proper actually holding, clasping. Yeah, clasping the actual uh, knee. The one, of the, the one on the right hand side, it can't go to this position ever. It can't be holding onto the knee for obvious reasons. It's either got to be at the edge, yes, or it's got to be on the thigh proper. All right, so the idea would be that it's not, you know, uh, unequal. So you'd be like this, or you'd be like this. Yeah, you'd be like this, or you'd be like this. Is the picture clear to us? Yeah. Yeah, Pe people yeah, are gonna work it out, yeah? Yeah. yeah. If it All right. No, no, I'm saying that in principle it should, right? But if a person did this, then it's an option. It's an option, yeah, I need to do that. But the asal is that your hands are in the similar position. 
just we do need to know that this is a narrated position and it should be practiced here and there. Laqab, okay, grabbing that. When we're now talking about, um, uh, okay, we'll talk about the fingers in a second. Now I just want you to focus now on the actual seated, seating position. So let's do this again and make sure that everyone's clear about it. This is something which is narrated, sitting on the balls of your feet and your backside is on the ankles. Yeah, or whatever this is. What are those? The hands, what are they? Heels, sorry, heels, yeah, heels. So you're on your heels. <coughs> and this is a position that should be yani, utilized yani, uh, sometimes here and there. All right? Then you have istiraj. This is yani, your left foot. It is now actually making contact with the farsh, if you like. And it is flat. And you have nasab of your right foot. So you can see it yani, in a position of nasab, which is upright. And the toes, as you can see, are pointing towards the Absolutely, yani, as straight as you can possibly, uh, as straight as you can possibly make it. Yeah, and then you have tawarruk, right? So this is muftarishan or a state of iftirash. This is the norm, all right. This is the norm of the prayer. This is the norm in the first tashahuds. This is the norm, yani, between two sajda, etc., etc. Then you have the concept of tawarruk, which we're going to come to, all right, afterwards. Yes. We're gonna we're gonna come to the position of tawarruk afterwards of when do you do tawarruk, but yeah, it suffice to say there's a, a whole yeah, section of fiqh about that as well. Tawarruk, what happens is that the left foot will come out and you will sit yeah, on the left buttock itself, and your foot will still remain in a state of uh, nasab itself straight, okay, like this, and the foot comes out. Come to the side here, all right. So this is yeah, what happens. There's also a, a some of the fuqaha, and obviously this is understood to be a position that you can stay in longer because you're not sitting on your left foot. Because if you're very heavy or very old, then the strength is obviously, yeah, you know, it's big, it's, you know, you're putting a lot of pressure upon that left foot. You know, you're sitting on this foot for a long time, it gets squeezed, blood supply, all the rest of it, yeah? So now here, this is comfortable. Also this, so it goes up. But this is a murder for me. <laughs> but this has been narrated by the fuqaha as well. But like I've got this cramp now happening in this spot at the moment. And I don't know if that would be normal. But anyway. I don't sit like that anyway. So, and the other, the other form that is mentioned by the fuqaha is just, yeah, I need the foot down. Okay? This is mentioned, yeah, I need the, you know, foot down. So this is even more relaxed. I mean, the reason that I'm okay with this, and, I, you know, we should buy into what the fuqaha is saying, is that tawarruq aslan, this position, yeah, which is to be towards the end of the prayer, Okay, it itself is meant to be a position of trying to make it easier after a long prayer and a person. And you know when you got the idea that the Prophet ﷺ, even he became older, this is what he adopted and so on and so forth. So the whole point is that it's meant to get easier as well. Now, uh, you will see in the Maliki school, for example, when you study uh, 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 according to the Maliki Madhab, you will see that there's always a focus on trying to keep this foot as straight as possible, right? But, you know, some people can't do that, right? So, you know, when you're trying to keep your foot up straight as much as possible, some people can't. So, you know what happens? The foot goes back, it goes back, it goes back. And there are other people who can't even keep it as straight, and so they go like this. So, I want you to know that this, which is an attempt, which is the side of the foot, is even better than that, which is like no attempt whatsoever, right? It's obviously the most comfortable as well. This is the most comfortable as well. My point is, is that when you're coming to working out how to actually sit, you should go through 
a kind of like a, a, a tiered kind of hierarchy of what's best and what's not. And so therefore, you guys can see, right? You guys have to look up there, but you guys can now see this would be the perfect position, all right, of iftiraj. And then it goes further back, and then you're starting to lose it, and you're starting to kind of, you know, then you go to the side. Like, you know, you might be like this, right? Tawarruk is another classic example. If you're, you know, you find this difficult, all right, to sit like this, right? If you do find it difficult to sit like this, which most people will, then you'll find that they go out like that. Put the camera down. And you find that they start to slide, 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 slide. I'm saying that before you go into this position, it's best that you even have that. And this position here is basically me resting on my, my big toe. My big toe is facing that way. It's not even going towards the qibla that way. You hear what I'm saying? Right? So that's the tawarruq. There's one final position that I want to talk about, which is tarabbur. Now tarabbur is a position which is, when you see the books of fiqh, they disc the, 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 the scholars differ over it, but in principle it's cross-legged. This is known as tarabbur. Okay? Basically what happens here is, well, whatever happens to your feet when you, when you, you do your, your, when you cross your legs. Now I want you to know that there are scholars that differ over this. There are scholars that differ over what tarabbur actually means because when you look at the descriptions, you don't see many, right? When you see this mentioned in the hadith, we did, did this, the, the, there's a famous narration of Abdullah ibn Umar and it's narrated in Bukhari, but not as a hadith, it is ta'liq, yani it is narrated by Bukhari as a supplementary kind of statement where he doesn't mention the chain, but it has a good sanad. When you go back and check, the sanad is good. And he came and he, he saw someone who was sitting in a way where he was not sitting properly and he told him that it is sun a sunnah for you to sit there's discussion about how he was sitting. Some people said that he was sitting cross-legged. Other people said that he was sitting in tawarruq. You know, that's not the focus. I don't want to lose focus, okay? Because there are people who are haters on tawarruq who really make it out that he was sitting in a tawarruq position. That he was sitting like that, okay? He was sitting in tawarruq and, uh, uh, and uh, you know, Abdullah bin Umar didn't like tawarruq and therefore, you know, there's some, there's, well, the point is it doesn't matter how you're sitting, but he was not sitting in an optimum position because he then said to him that it is sunnah for you to sit on your left foot yeah yani, like we normally sit with the right foot up if there are like that is that clear like you know how we normally sit and then the companion said okay because what about you though he goes why are you sitting like this so Abdullah bin Umar was saying this while sitting like this Right? That's why he's sitting there. <laughs> <laughs> he's a sick guy, there's no doubt about it. Radiallahu anhu. He was sitting there in this position, and the famous statement, he says that my foot cannot handle my weight. Yeah? I, it, can't, it can't carry me. I, basically, you know, he's at the age, of course, extended age, and he can't. So this is therefore an interesting alternative. Now, when you see the discussion in the books of fiqh about tarabbur, then you will see that this is... Um, uh, 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 there's some big statements like Imam, uh, Abdullah ibn, uh, ibn Abdul Bar, yani who's an Imam, of course, of not just fiqh but hadith as well. He has a big statement where he said it is haram. There's a consensus that it's haram to sit like this in the prayer. Okay? And it is to be said that the correct position, uh, as Ibn Hajar said, and as many of the fuqaha said, is that this is not correct. This position is either allowed or <coughs> makruh, at most. There's no evidence to suggest that it is haram especially because companions have practiced it. And so what do we know? We know that if there's a person who has a problem in sitting, okay, then this is what you then go to. 
this is what you would go to. If you can't sit on your legs, because what will some people do? They will do that which we, you know, we've said that this position here is confused. This yani ikra'at position. This is confused by some as being the pr prohibited one that the Prophet prohibited. That of the one that yani is haram. And I said to you before that what that actually is, and there, by the way, there are many descriptions of what the prohibited one is meant to look like. But one of the descriptions is this. They sit like this. Yes? Like that. <laughs> and that's something which is not allowed. You don't sit like this. It's a disrespectful position. It's not right. It's not befitting. And so this is prohibited. Right? And therefore we shouldn't do this. Not only should we not do this then. If there, and now it makes sense why you do this, by the way. The reason that you would do this is actually this is actually quite comfortable because none of your feet are taking your body weight. Yeah? Your feet aren't being squeezed, there's no pressure, there's no weight upon them. So obviously if you can't do this and you can't do this, okay, because you still got pressure here, then it makes sense you do that. Anyway, this thing is not about yeah, in a sense, it's about the sunnah. And what we know that if you cannot sit like this, then you sit in an easier position, you come down like that, or as I said, you sit cross-legged, and that's something which is fine. And if you're sitting cross-legged, then everything to do with the hand movements then would go straight on the corner in this kind of manner. Is that clear? One final thing when it comes to the, the discussion concerning uh, women, right? You'll see women sit like that, all right? Because they consider it to be more, I don't know, I don't know how that's more modest, I don't know. But anyway, the point is, is that you'll see certainly the knees together if they sit in if they sit iftirash, then they will be yani, uh, sitting flat. Yep, like this. Yes? Yeah. Come on, Lala, man. You, you're the most useless cameraman that the world has ever seen. <laughs> Goodness gracious me. Right? So they'll sit like this, and they will even sit with their knees together. Agreed? Yeah? The whole point, as we said before, the woman's prayer is a more closed kind of situation. And therefore, you know, it's just about being as modest as possible, keeping everything kind of, you know, whatever. And. What we want to say to you is that before you sit in this kind of manner, even though this is permissible, I want you to know that for a woman, it's permissible just as it is for a man, if they are unable to sit normally. And remember what we said before, people trying to sit according to the sunnah and it hurting them so much that they can't think of anything but when, when is he going to say salam, when is he going to say salam, and the whole prayer is just this kind of mess and chaos in your mind, then of course it's better to sit like this, or as I said, cross-legged. Uh, it is authentically narrated that Umm Darda radiallahu ta'ala anha was sitting exactly like the men used to sit. That is hadith from Sahih, okay, and authentic. Uh, uh, it is highly yani, corroborated that a number of the female companions used to sit like the men used to do. So that's a summary of the seated positions in the prayer, okay? Obviously, tawarruk, that's going to come in another lesson about when it comes to the, the is it done in the first shahud, second shahud, etc., etc. We'll come to that later. Um, in terms of the hands, yeah, that's, that's, I think that's enough. Yep. So, right, where are we now? So therefore, what Sheikh says, so what Sheikh says is that the Sunnah indicates the legislation of these two ways of sitting. All right, uh, sorry, these two places of where the hands go. All right. The first, that you put the, the two hands upon al-fakhidain, on the, on the two thighs. And then the second, that you hold onto the left knee and uh, 
uh, uh, the the right one goes to the edge. And as I said to you before, there's the there's the third one as well, which is both are at that uh, uh, edge as well. Okay. And Sheikh Uthameen, but Sheikh Uthameen doesn't mention the third one. I just want to say, just in case you understand, he doesn't mention the third. So he mentions one which is yani, on the thighs. Okay. He mentions one which is. Uh, come on, man, make yourself useful. Come on, bring this thing. How come can we just test the, the, this one out? You can do what you want, Lala. Here, here, take it. Just feedback on mine. Put the notes on. We haven't seen what they're what they're, what they're what they're saying. Lala, you're all looking at me like a thingy. Give me some good news at least. <laughs> Say custom. <laughs> to us. So uh, three one doesn't get us through. <laughs> if we were a modern masjid, that's exactly what we would do. Yara, listen. We've gone past one hour. Mustafiz is going to have a heart attack. The Bengalis are definitely want to go home. He's, a, <laughs> he's not watching. Edgeware ain't like that. That's a huge Islamic center of highly practicing Muslims. Okay? And they are all in the masjid. 100%. 100% right down here Lala so uh, 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 so according to according to Sheikh Uthameen there's just two positions there's on the thighs thighs so this would be yani, the right hand and this would be the left hand and then the second one is grabbing the knee itself okay half half and then this one would go to the edge okay so he's got that whereas Sheikh Muhammad Bukhtar and the Fuqaha from the classical books they uh, focus on three so there'll be this position, so thighs, and then on the edge, or left is on the edge, and that is on the thingy, uh, at the edge as well, and then the third is actually grasping the knee, and that one doesn't obviously grasp anything. Does that make sense? Yeah? So those are the three positions. All right. Um, I think we just do the fingers and everything next week. That's a full lesson, a full lesson we did. Yeah, no, no, I, I, I'm not, that's not a blag. Don't you flip in, look at me, laugh at me. Don't judge me. <laughs> Why are people judging me for? Put the put the put the put the put the portal up. <laughs> okay, Lala, what are you doing here? Right, Lala standing and me looking at this. Right, we need one more goal. Thank you very much for that, Rahil. Okay, you see that? They're loving it at home. One screen there, Yani on silent, just watching and screaming and jumping, and then Yani Lafanga like me on the other side. Other side. All right. So three questions sitting cross-legged. Is it legislated that the right foot, left foot should be in front? No, there's no evidence to suggest what is in front. Okay, Allah knows best. Do the points have to point towards the, do the toes have to point towards the qibla at all times? Anything pointing towards the qibla is better than not pointing towards the qibla. And uh, if you are performing the entire prayer sitting this way, how do you perform sajda? Just you just you just go into sajda. Yeah, no, I'm saying it, you'd go into sajda. If you can go into sajda, you'd go into sajda. If you can't go into sajda, then you don't need to worry about it anyway. Yani, if a person can't sit on their knees like you would normal, and they want to come back and sit like this, that's fine. That's not a problem. You can, but the point you can, but the point is, is that you 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 wouldn't normally be in that position if you can. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. 
that, 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 that C is irrelevant because if you can do it, you can do it. If you can't, you can't. Um, Aisha asked the same question. If you are sitting all the prayer like that, then you would go for sajda. If you can't do the sajda, then you don't need to worry. Then you would just do the sajda by indication. Subhana Rabbiyal Azim, Subhana Rabbiyal A'la, for example, then Allahu Akbar, and then back again. Uh, for Nafal, would it be permissible to pray cross-legged for Qiyam, even if one was in good health? That's a good question. And the answer to that is that it would be sunnah to sit normally. This is not a sunnah position. Cross-legged is not a sunnah position, even if you justify it that I can pray for a very long time comfortably. No, you would go through the others until you became so tired that you couldn't, then you would revert to this. Yeah, and it's got to be an excused position. This is not the asal to sit cross-legged. Come down. Uh, when praying the sunnah prayer right before our fard prayer can I say the iqama before the sunnah prayer and does it count for the fard prayer no you can't say the iqama no it doesn't count for the fard prayer you wait right until you're praying the fard to do the iqama and come down and um, I think uh, if one blah 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 great 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 this kalam kalam is it permissible to manufacture and sell gelatine Soft gels, if alternatives are not available. If it's halal gelatin, then yes. If it's not halal gelatin, yani from normal animals in this country, then I would avoid it. That's my position. Allah knows best. Folks, no questions? Great. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika. Shadu Allah ilaha nustafurukallahumma atubu alaykum. Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullah.